Hey guys, I'm Jen, owner of Hello June Creative, a boutique brand and web design studio. I'm here to help you learn, up-level, and find community in your design business journey. Just remember, the only designer you need to be better than is the one you were yesterday. Hey everyone, welcome back to Better the Brand Designer podcast. Today for our last archives episode of this season, we're gonna be going all the way back to season three, episode eight, um, with my good friend Meredith from Quixotic Design Co. Um, Meredith and I have just connected via social media and I feel like if I had to say one designer who I admire their social media presence the most, it has got to be Meredith. You guys have got to go check out her social media. It is hilarious. She has amazing top level um, funnel content, like great memes, really good reels. She does a great job of just like shooting a ton of B-roll for her team to work with, which I need to do a better job of. Um, and in this episode, she's going to be talking about how to book, how to find and book your dream clients, which of course is an ever popular question that we get. So I hope you guys enjoy. Hi guys. I'm so excited to be here and chat with you both. I've been following along for a while now and looking forward to our talk. Yay. Awesome. All right. Let's dive into our intro question to get things warmed up. So Meredith, where do you go to find icons for a branding project? I do that two ways. First would be like my go-to resource for just inspiration for icons is the noun project. So it's basically just this database of thousands of icons and it's kind of like a little search engine. You can type in whatever concept you're thinking of like paintbrush and it will pull up like 50 different paintbrush icons and in different styles. And you can either source from there and purchase one. Um, but a lot of times I'll just kind of use that as a jumping off point, find some inspiration for like how a concept will actually lay out in an icon and then I'll illustrate it by hand um, for a client. And then the other option is basically I just go from scratch. So I will literally like trace a client's face or like for a florist, we recently did a project where I like drew her bouquet that she had just made for a bride as like a little icon for her brand. So that's like more our style is to do that kind of custom work. Oh, um, I love that. Thanks. Yeah. I like to do something original whenever I can, but there are times when icons are just necessary, you know, to purchase mm -hmm. and throw in there. Don't have time to do everything from scratch all the time. That's so cool. I, we both love the noun project and I only just recently learned about it actually, like maybe a month or two ago. Oh no um, way. Yeah. My, my UX designer showed it to me and I was like going through it for like a beauty brand and I love that there were collections. So you could have like a plethora of designs that like, oh, I can put this here and put that there and not have to worry about like making my own for everything. So yeah. I loved it. <laughs> yes. Icon design actually takes a really long time. Mm -hmm. And that's something that like, I usually, I used to include icons in my brand package. And now I realize that they literally take so much time that I just stopped including them in my brand. Oh yeah, it's a whole separate <laughs> like, thing. Like, I know. And like icon, like iconography is actually something that's really important to me as a brand designer. And it's something that really sets, I feel like my, my design style apart um, just from other designers. And I love Meredith that you talked about, you know, sketching things out by hand and making just like this beautiful custom piece of artwork for the client. I'm sure that like when they see that type of stuff, I mean, it's one thing to see a word mark in a beautiful font, but it's another thing yeah. to see a custom icon as part of your brand identity. So that's awesome. Oh, yeah. yeah. That gets people really jazzed. 
Like I did one for this client recently. It was like single line drawing of her profile and she She was so excited about it. And that's That's the best feeling. So my style, like monoline iconography, like, I mean, that's such a buzz phrase, but like, I I I literally (laughs) love it so much. Y'all go to my Instagram. That's the only type of icons that I design. Like, (laughs) that's like, I'm like, okay, yeah, monoline. Like, I'm just going to do it. Like, (laughs) anyways, let's dive into our topic today. We're going to be talking about something that is super highly, highly requested from our audience. I feel like I say that every single time, but you guys know that you are such an important part of this podcast. And we want to talk about stuff that um, is relevant for for y'all and booking your dream clients that is relevant to every single brand designer out there. So before we kind of dive into that, Meredith, we would love if you could kind of give our audience a little bit of background on, you know, your design studio, how you got there and kind of like your philosophy as far as going and searching for clients or accepting clients. Sure. So we are Quick Talk Design Co. We started in 2017. I've worked for agencies for eight-ish years now. Then I went on my own a couple of years ago after went through some personal stuff and quit my job with zero prospects, uh, which is so not like me. I'm very, very type A, Enneagram 3, like, you know, does her homework type of gal. Always have my next move lined up. So I kind of just started with agency out of nowhere and started as like a little sketch of a crystal ball, which turned into, you know, searching for fonts and then turned into a logo type and a whole business from there. Um, And I've honestly been so, so lucky with our client base so far. Um, I think the clients that I've worked with right off the bat have been ideal. And I took a course, I invested in a course when I was uh, just starting out about gathering the types of clients that you actually want to work with and then making room for those instead of just any work that comes your way. And I really adopted that from an early standpoint. I mean, I, I didn't take on a lot of projects that didn't align with um, our design style values. Um, So I've been really lucky working with these types of clients that are ideal for me, which is basically just women-owned businesses that are ready to invest back in their business and able to hand over creative control. That's key. Yes. I'm like, oh, that just like relaxes me, you know, that's, that's one of the major red flags that like we always talk about on the podcast and, you know, in the Facebook group is people who are not trusting of you as the design expert. And so I love that you define it as like, okay, this is the type of person we want to work with, but also this is another thing that like, you have to be able to hand over the reins if you want to work with us. And if not, then like, we'll just respectfully pass on the project. I love that. Props to you for choosing only the clients that you want to work with and not taking on everybody because you were like scared to make them, you know, not make the money or something like Mm -hmm. that. Cause that's another thing that a lot of designers struggle with. Totally. Yeah. I think, you know, when you're freelancing, I definitely took on all types of projects. Right. So I was like, I just need some money. Um, All of us have. (laughs) Totally. And once I started the business, it was like, okay, I need to be a little bit more serious about where I'm spending my time. And luckily, because I invested so much time and attention to those first original clients, I've built this like crazy network of women-owned businesses that are all, for the most part, able to hand over that creative control, which has been wonderful. And that's something that I go over with our clients too on a um, consult call is this is something that we're going to work on together. And you're going to have to, at some point, get a little uncomfortable in passing this over to us and we will make this the best it can be for you and, you know, incorporate your unique personality, but you have to trust us to do our job 
because I think we all know as designers, those projects where you don't have that trust end up not looking like either of you want it to look. That's actually happening to me with one project right now, which I'll talk <sighs> about later after the, the wound has been healed. <laughs> right? Yeah. When you're in the thick of it, it's just soul sucking, (laughs) you know, and that's, that's not the way that like, that's not the type of business that we wanted to start as brain designers. And I say, Mm -hmm. we, meaning our whole audience, everyone listening, like Mm -hmm. everyone, I mean, regardless of the reason that you started your business, you wanted to be able to have control over the types of projects you work on, especially like Meredith, probably coming from an agency background. That was probably a breath of fresh air when you first started your business, right? Oh yeah. I worked for agencies for so long and I was so done with it. I mean, the last agency I worked at was the best one. It was like exposed brick loft, like just like how you picture design studio. Praise. Yeah. I get it. Incredible. And I worked with honestly the most amazing creative director. And that's why I am the way I am now working with him. And I think you need to get that experience of working in-house somewhere, at least for a little bit, just to get a sense for like, okay, this is how these projects go and how fast they move and the pressure. So I think now with my own clients, I'm really able to handle that kind of thing. Well, I didn't particularly enjoy working in agencies. I'm not an office person. I'm not a... Mm -hmm nine to five human. It just doesn't work with how my brain is. So it was really nice to get out on my own and start taking on clients that I actually wanted to work with and to have that control, right? Where you're not getting rejected by a creative director. Like, no, 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 this concept is not going anywhere. That sounds very similar (laughs) to my experience, except I didn't spend eight years. I spent like about four years working Mm -hmm. for other agencies. And my last job was like the most intense, the most rewarding, the most awesome one. And my creative director was so hard to please which oh, is yeah. what made me into like this, like super high level. Like I need the things done this way, but I'm also like me and I'm very like, I can be very compassionate and like cheerleader ish. And so I'm like trying to find like my way of doing things. So it's really awesome to hear that you have a similar experience. How do you find that really? it's worked? Do you have a team or do you have people that you yes. work with and do like creative direction? Like, how does that work for you? So I, you have a team. Um, I am ultimate creative director master. So everything goes through me still, cause I'm still a control freak, I'm not ready to pass that part off yet. I'm hoping in the next year I can do that, but we have one designer and I have our social media manager that have been with us for since just this year. So pretty new for me to pass things off. I'm getting used to it. Oh, it's so hard. (laughs) It's very hard. Um, I started doing that this year for the very first time. I, um, I've had graphic designers work for me for a little while, just Mm -hmm. working with some templated recurring social media stuff for retainer clients. But this year was the first time I hired a brand designer and that's hard because I love brand design. And if I had it my way, I would be able to just design every single brand from start to finish. But you know, the reality is that like, you know, whatever it is in your life, like I have a a really young baby or, you know, maybe like you just want to be able to take on more products than you literally have time in the day for like relinquishing that control is so hard, but I've actually realized that like the final product ends up being something different than I would have done, but it, it's always good and it's always fun. So yeah, I am literally going through this right now where I just passed off a brand to a client recently that we just wrapped up and I was kind of nervous to show typically what I do with a designer is I have her design two drafts and I design two drafts and we kind of combine them, tweak a little bit to show to the client first draft. Um, and I was kind of nervous to pass this off to a client because I've worked with designers in the past, like you were saying, but not on a brand. It's very different. And the client actually chose the designer's logos 
which I was really excited about because it's <laughs> like, good. Not, I was going to ask your reaction. Yeah, it's not <laughs> what I would have done at all. And it's kind of refreshing to take a step back and be like, I don't have to mentally think of yeah. this concept right now. It's kind of nice. Yeah. Because you're, you're ready to move on to other parts of your business. I'm sure. Yes, I definitely am. And you know, it's been a crazy year so far, crazy two years. We, you know, I had, all these contractors come in. I've had people come and go out of the business. We bought a house. We got married. We are selling the house. We're moving. It's like just everything's been a little while and the pandemic, you know, and then COVID oh, I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that throws a wrench in things. Um, yeah, totally. like that, I think a lot of us are, are kind of in similar boats, you know, where we're, we're, whether we're, you know, starting our business or we're growing our business for the first time, or, you know, everyone here is listening to this podcast is trying to level up in some way. We're all trying to get better. You know, I always yeah. have to throw that in guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like, we would love to, to hear more about like how you narrowed down to that niche that you have currently and like how you even decided like what type of client you wanted to work with, whether that was like, you knew what you didn't want to work with, or like there were certain projects that you liked that you kind of used as inspiration. Mm -hmm. Go ahead and give us a little background on that. Okay. Well, let's start with what I don't want to work with. Cause I know. <laughs> yeah, that was a bit of an easier answer. <laughs> yes. I already know this one so well. Um, I do not want to work with people that don't trust, um, don't pass off that creative control and are antsy. I find that most of my clients are so patient with the process and understand, and don't get me wrong, we have, everything's on a deadline, everything is mapped out for the client. But um, I like when people kind of take a seat back and let us do our job. And then typically when that happens, the client is wowed by the work we do. When you have someone coming in and micromanaging every detail, and not to say that you can't be involved because I have two types of clients. We have the client that is, I know nothing about design. Please help me. SOS. Um, I don't know how to use Pinterest. And then I have the other client that is like, I have had six Pinterest boards made for this brand already. Like, please take a look. And, oh my um, gosh, I've been there. Or they like create a bunch of Pinterest boards on their own and they like paint yeah. a bunch of design stuff where you're like, uh, wow, this all looks very different. How did you oh, expand yeah. here? <laughs> it's usually too like fabric swatches, just the stuff that's like, what? Um, in regards to a brand. So yeah, those are typically my two types of clients, you know, really, really involved. And that's totally fine too. I actually like that kind of client because they're typically very direct and know what they want. And I find people are wishy-washy, but also want to control things. It's just like, we're not going to get to a good end result here. And a lot of this job too, for designers listening is just managing personalities. I mean, even if you find your ideal client and that's all that you work with, you're still going to have some outliers that are within that niche, but you know, maybe they have a difficult personality and, or they yeah. just don't jive with you well. And sometimes a lot of it is just communication and getting to know yourself and how you can better the experience for the client. Anyway, I've been really lucky with the types of clients that I work with. I'm based in Sacramento. I do not advertise as a Sacramento agency. We are totally remote and I work with people all over the country, but that being said, I also have a huge network in Sacramento. So I've worked with a ton of women-owned small businesses here. And for some reason, we have kind of evolved into taking care of interior designers, e-commerce. And I guess the third category would be just sort of random. The overarching theme here is just women-owned small businesses, but not so small that they're just starting out. It's more that level of, okay, I'm ready to invest back in my business and pass this off to someone else. So 
Like I said before, I, when I first started out, I took a course about starting a design agency. This is from Ryan Bowles, like so long ago before everyone, their mom was a coach. (laughs) (laughs) So I took this course and he spends so much time outlining, you know, identifying this client that you want to work with and not just like women on businesses, but okay. Her name is Sarah and she goes to this conference and she listens to this podcast. And this is the type of stuff that she saves on Pinterest and really diving deep into who this person is so that you understand who they are, what they want to see, how you can help them, what they're struggling with and how you can solve their problem. Um, so those are the kind of key indicators that I used in the past to identify this type of client that I want to work with. Um, and honestly, through referrals, it has just blossomed this way. Luckily. That's amazing. That's, um, that's like probably the biggest thing that we respond to people when they say like, how do you get clients? How do you get clients? It's the number one question that people ask us. Um, and it can be kind of a bummer to say like, oh, well I built up a referral network and you know, like I just get people just come to me, you know, um, Mm -hmm. back when you started, can you give our, our audience some insight into how you landed those first few clients and kind of how you encourage them to refer people to you. So how you kind of started the referral network and then how you kind of grew it. Yes. Okay. So that's a great question. Starting out, let's think way back. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Those original projects. So a lot of my portfolio had already been built up, right? Since I had been working for agencies. So um, I wasn't just starting out where I needed to kind of take on free projects for a portfolio piece. I was at the level where I was ready to get paying clients. And again, I took this course and a lot of my clients originally came from the DMs. I was so about it in there every day, just DMing random people. Like, I love your brand. I'd love to give you some free story covers. I love the opportunity to work with you. And, you know, if you like this product we do together, maybe we can work together in the future. So I started just reaching out to people on Instagram also within my local network of friends in Sacramento. So I kind of picked up this like Instagram product base and then also local. And then of course the referral system sets in, but I wasn't really pushing people to refer me. Luckily it just sort of happened. And I, I think for anyone listening that is starting out, the best thing you can do for your business is do a good job with the clients that you have. Like yeah. take the time to make them feel so special and so wanted and loved and appreciated that they cannot help but rave about you to other people. Yes, I 100% agree with that, especially when you're feeling devastated by another client, potential client saying no, like put that love that you were going to take, give that client and put it in the ones that you do have, the ones I have given you a chance and like prove totally. to them that that it's totally worth their investment. And the, that's when the referrals really do come in because they just can't help but rave about you. Absolutely. And I do want to note too, that like, even at this point in my business where I have a team. I've scaled past my income goals. I'm really enjoying this part of my business. I still get rejected all the time, all Mm -hmm. the time. And, you know, we book these sales calls. I have a 50% rate basically of stealing the deal. The other 50% girl, 50%. Oh my God. I just, I just figured this out. I was looking at all these statistics yesterday on so I have this program, Dubsado. Have you guys seen Oh, it? man. I love Dubsado. <laughs> so good. It's so good. So I went through yesterday and was looking at my charts of like my reports of where products are coming from, when I get the most leads, and where those leads come from, and then syncing it up with what we posted on Instagram that day, if they're Instagram leads. And figuring out with my assistant, like, okay, what we can post more to generate leads, 
Um, anyway, this is the type of brain that I have, which is just insane where I'm just 24 seven, like spreadsheet data type of person. Amazing. <laughs> I think I Giselle know. and you are like totally on the same vibe with that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I love it. I need to catch up a little bit, but like, yeah, I, I love that. That's awesome. But so yeah, cool. the rejection I, is so real though. It's like, no matter what stage you're in, there's always, you're never going to be everyone's cup of tea and you just have to accept that and keep going. And the people that keep going and pushing towards their goals are the ones that survive, especially yes. during a pandemic like this, you know? Yes. It's about perseverance. It's about believing that you can do this and about abundance. I'm all about the abundance mindset because I tend to be on the other side of that and I have to remind myself. Totally. And that is something that as a new designer, it can be totally deflating to hear no. And then as you grow into your business and you get to a level where you're comfortable, like I'm also in a level where I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm really happy with my business right now. I can definitely like start scaling again, which I started implementing some things for that. And I'm hearing no a lot and I, it doesn't phase me anymore. I just like oh, yeah. think, okay, cool. Like the next one. And it's asking, if you were to ask me this, like two years ago, I'd be like, no one wants to hire me. <laughs> <laughs> so true though. It's like your confidence is so shaken when that happens at the beginning. Yeah. It's like everything relies on that. Yes. I think yeah. I'm out of the three of us. I'm the closest to the beginning. Um, I've been a designer for like almost like nine or 10 years now, but like oh, wow. I'm two years into branding specifically and one year into web design, which seems crazy because like, I feel like I've like just grown so much in the past few years, which I'm so grateful for. But I remember what that felt like to get those rejections. And I, I mean, to, you know, piggyback off of you too. I get rejected all the time as well. I don't have quite as high of a booking rate as Meredith. Like you are a goddess. I don't know how you do. That's amazing. You oh, must be like filtering out. Oh yeah. That. I have like a strict tunnel. I make people go through to, to get the call. And I know they really want the call. So it's not yeah. that I'm great on the phone. It's that we've already kind of weeded people out beforehand. That's awesome. Yes. I mean, I, I think our listeners would be super interested. And I mean, I personally am super interested to hear more about that funnel. Can you tell us about kind of the steps that you use to like make yes. sure that once you get on the phone with someone, they're like almost a hundred percent, like ready to book. Yep. So we have a couple, couple things here. Uh, number one, I put my prices on my website and this is very controversial. A lot of people are like, don't do that. I have done it since day one and I'm never going to stop doing it. It's basically like a baseline. So I don't have people coming in that are like, my budget is $500. Can you make a brand for me? Um, whereas there are some designers that will do that. And that is totally fine. It's just not going to work with the level that running the team and the business that I am in right now. So basically this kind of weeds out people budget wise. And luckily this year we have incorporated some lower ticket items for people that are, you know, just starting out because right now I've had to tell so many people, no waste on budget. And that actually hurts my heart because I want to help women owned businesses that are just starting out. And it feels bad to say, well, you don't have the budget, so I can't work with you. A lot of times when they're starting out, a lot of things are still changing. So it's mm -hmm. for some of, for a lot of them, it's kind of ridiculous for them to spend a lot of money like as sure. an established business. Cause who knows if a year from now they're going to be like, oh, we need to pivot. Totally. And I feel the same way about my business, you know, not with this industry, but investing, you know, I'm now comfortable investing in coaching, whatever I need for this mm -hmm. business, but asked me two years ago and I was like, no, there's no way. So it's definitely that comfort level. So having that on my website helps me weed those different budgets out. And then I'd say my questionnaire. So whenever we have someone contact us, it's through, I'm air quoting for anyone listening. <laughs> <laughs> <Contact us. laughs> 
we have this inquire form through Dubsado that I have on my website. And basically this is like a very detailed questionnaire and someone that is just like quickly passing through is not going to fill this thing out. We get a lot of information from this and most importantly are asking, you know, are you ready to really invest back in your brand? Then the last step is we automatically send out an email through a workflow in Dubsado with all of our onboarding information, just like a basic PDF and link to our services page so people understand what they're getting into before booking our call, um, the types of prices, the product timelines, what to expect from us before we even book a call. So that way, when someone books a call, I know they've seen our system, our prices, what they're going to get, you know, and they're ready to go. You know, sales calls go well is because we do weed out a lot of people on the way. Um, but it feels good to only take calls. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes calls can be really draining for me. I'm like half introvert, half extrovert. Being on sales call all day can be a little bit challenging. I really enjoy getting to know new people. Um, but when you're doing it all day, it's like puts all your work aside and it, it takes a lot out of you, you know? Yeah. I, 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 for that reason, I try not to book more than, more than one sales call a day, honestly, like I can maybe do two, but by the end of that, I'm like, I don't even want to be designing right now. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah, yeah. I feel you. You know what I started thinking lately is Fridays. I tend to like not get much work done anyway. So I've been putting my calls for Fridays. That way, all I do is do like two calls, three calls. And then I'm like, okay, I, I did my job for the day. Yeah, that's <laughs> so smart. Yeah. I love like trying that. to work with my weaknesses. That's really funny because I don't really get a ton of work done on Fridays. And so I decided not to work on Fridays. <laughs> I that's even that better. That's amazing. <laughs> and I mean, wow. like, that's also, you know, from a, from a need because I have childcare on the weekends. And so I do work Saturday and Sunday right now. And so okay. I realized, so I was working all, every single day. Um, but like oh, man. not nine hours a day because I have a baby. And so when I'm with him, I'm not working. So it was m- really like two solid hours of work, but it yeah. was every day of the week. So yeah. like, I realized that I, that's still not sustainable for me. Like I need at least one day where I just don't totally do check out. Reset. So yeah. Friday is that day for me. Um, you'll probably still see me on Instagram guys, like <laughs> DM me and be like, Jen, go away. But like, you know, <laughs> That's my day, but I just had to. I love that. (laughs) I want to go back a little bit, and um, another thing that our listeners ask a lot about is how do you know who you want to niche down to? And you said like you, you know, women-owned businesses. When did you find out that that's who you wanted to work with? Did you have to explore Mm. a little bit, or take us back to that that time? Well, I guess I just identify better with them uh, because I am one. (laughs) Yeah, and um, just. Yeah. And not just that, but I think for me, it was easier to see what I didn't want to work with, the types of personalities um, and industries that were not for me. And sometimes that's how I make decisions too, is just by seeing everything I don't want to do. I'm a very big picture person and I like to see all my options before I narrow down. So um, I didn't just pick this randomly. I basically, you know, working in agencies was able to experience working with a ton of different types of clients, which was wonderful, but I definitely knew like tech is not for me. Uh, corporate is not for me, you know, just which a lot of designers are happy to do. So I think trying things out and this goes for any job, really, like you don't really know what you want to do until you try it, um, really in the field. So I think once you do that, you can narrow down for yourself really easily. What's going to work with your style. That's so awesome. A lot of people that, uh, maybe a lot of designers right now, had a lot of agency experience. And in my case, when I left the agency world and started off on my own, 
I thought, well, I've worked with all sorts of industries, so I can do all these things. And just because I could do it didn't mean that I had to take on those projects. And I learned from that, like, all right, from now on, I don't want to take these types of clients on, like you were saying, tech or corporate. I would, I used to do a lot of insurance websites. So I'd be like, all right, I'm, I don't have to do insurance websites just because I have a background in insurance websites. Totally. <laughs> and that was a revelation for me at the time. I think that's an important distinction that it's really important that you guys listening realize, and this is something that like, I'm still realizing every single day is that like, you are in control of who you work with just yeah. because someone reaches out to you or just because someone has the budget to work with you, or just because someone, you know, for whatever reason, like you don't have to work with every single inquiry that you get. And actually I have a little short story that I want to share. I actually posted about this in the Facebook group. I had a sales call the other day with a client that was not a good fit for my studio. This client said that they had been burned in the past by previous designers. And so they were very, you know, they wanted this one to work. Like they, they were like, oh, we've just, we've dealt with, you know, we had, we hired someone on Upwork and they just ruined our website. And, you know, it's like, okay, well, first of all, that's like not someone who's willing to invest. And second of all, that's not someone who's willing to be trusting of me and my process and my team. And also they were like, they asked me like, Hey, what, what platform do you think this website's on? And I was like, "Mm, I don't know. I'd have to probably like take a look at the code. And he's like, well, it's on WordPress. And it's like, Oh, okay. Well, um, I don't know. You're trying trying to like kind of catch me there or something. I don't know. There was just some weird vibes going on. Um, and so Ah. after I got off the call, I felt like I felt bad about myself. I felt like I wasn't being taken seriously. I felt like, wow, you know, man, I was feeling so good about my business. Now I feel really down. And I think it's important to like, listen to your intuition on that. Like, how do you feel after the sales call? Like you want to excite your client, but after you get off that sales call, you should be like, dang, I really hope this client books. And like 90% of the time it's like that for me, but like, right. you need to like, listen to that intuition when you get off a sales call and like, just think, okay, like, am I excited about this client? Or like, I was literally already dreading the project and I hadn't even booked yeah. it yet. I was like, okay, yeah. well, why on earth would I take this on? And so the way that I handled that was I, I emailed the client. I said, Hey, I really appreciate your time this morning. Unfortunately, I don't think this project is going to be a good fit for my studio, but I wish you the best. And that was it. I didn't say anything else. And you know, they actually, they responded and said, Hey, we feel like we kind of came off a little on the offensive just because we've been burned in the past. So we hope that like whatever. And I just didn't respond. I mean, yeah, I don't have time, you know, like I, I I was very polite and everything. So I hope that story resonates with some of you guys, because like, just because like you see all this work on Instagram from, you know, us as studio owners who have like are growing our teams and, you know, we're in a great place in our business. That doesn't mean that there aren't like really bad fits that come our way. And sometimes we do book them and realize too late, you know, like I'm sure we all have stories like that. Um, we're actually doing that right now. (laughs) Are you able to share like, you know, what went wrong or like, yeah, I will just be a little generic here, but that's fine. Don't name names. (laughs) Nailed the sales call felt like it was an amazing fit. Great personality. Uh, the reality is we hop on a briefing call and it's like, you didn't tell me that there was a mood board. You didn't tell me that there was a brand questionnaire. You didn't tell me this, this, this. And I'm like, here's the email that I sent that you actually responded to. And here is your client portal where all of your links are. And I had to reschedule a call because they hadn't seen the mood board or anything to do with the briefing call at all. So, and I don't like to just surprise clients on a briefing call with here's some concepts. Um, yeah. You know, I want them to kind of digest beforehand. And she was super upset and kind of lashed out at me, which I'm basically just like, 
okay, um, here's my family link to rebook. And um, she rebooked and actually apologized to me later, but she's like, I had so much going on that day. I'm like, okay. I think same thing with your situation of I've been burned by designers. It's like, it's not your problem that they've been burned by designers and that blame and frustration should not now be placed on you as a burden. I think if you are going to start investing in your brand, then you need to let the designer do their job. I think yeah. that, yeah, I a hundred percent agree. And I, I think that metaphor time guys, y'all know, I love metaphors. If you're going <laughs> mm-hmm. on a date with someone and they're like, yeah, you know, like I, I don't really date because like I've been burned in the past. And so like, I'm super closed off. It's like, okay, wow. That's a turn off. Like, yeah. okay, well, thanks for being like sunshine buttercup, like glad to meet yeah. you too. You know, it's like, that's, it's not my problem that you had a really bad ex. Yeah. Like, as, as harsh as that sounds, it's it true. does sound harsh, but like, yeah, it's like, let it go, let it go. Like frozen, mm-hmm. let it go. And like, you know, <laughs> just, and move forward knowing that like, okay, this designer isn't the designer that, you know, burned me in the past. And honestly, most of the time designers that have burned people in the past we're charging way too low and we're way too inexperienced for what the project was. Yeah. And like, you know, you can tell that to people if they bring that up on the sales call, but I don't know. I just, that's a huge red flag for me. Cause I'm mm-hmm. like, Oh, Oh, you're not trusting of me. Okay. Bye. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a little scary when people are so upset about a previous experience and it's kind of already like, I don't think this is for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So let's go back to dream clients now. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. We're bouncing all over the place. I love it. And um, yeah, this is great. I love these conversations. Um, so how do you recommend someone start like going off of, okay, they already decided their niche. They decided the type of people that they want to work with. They honed in on their services for all of that. Like what is the next step for that, for them to get those clients in the door? Okay. So they already have established the ideal client avatars, correct? Yeah. And if you want to say anything about the ideal client avatar, then by all means, go ahead. Okay. So I had a little process for putting this together, not just that course I took, but like Mm -hmm. I said earlier, you know, you want to focus on their interests, their problems and where they want to be like their ideal self, and then figure out a way that you are the person to get them from their problem area to their ideal dream self and business, and then use market research. So when you have someone DMing you out of the blue, literally put it in a spreadsheet. If it's a question, you know, take note of all this stuff because it's basically free research that you're getting from real people that follow you that are reaching out, trying to get information from you. So you're, you're identifying problems right off of that. Right. Um, and if you have an email list, you know, send out a survey and get people's opinions, start incorporating that market research right away so that you can cater your posts, your emails, everything to basically transition this client Um, and help them see you as the authority within your niche of, okay, this person's going to take me from this problem that I have because they're in my head about it. They already know. And they're going to turn me into this magical CEO girl boss that I've been wanting to be, you know? That's something that I did um, when I first started out was I, I reached out and I've talked about this before on the podcast, so I won't go too into it, but I reached out to ideal clients and said, Hey, you're an ideal client. Like, I mean, of course I said it in like a better way than that, but like on, on DMs, I was like, Hey, I, it wasn't pushy. It was like, I would love to work with someone like you. Can you tell yeah. me X, Y, Z about your business? You know, have you invested in branding? Have you ever considered it? Why haven't you, if you haven't, you know, like I love that, that would be really helpful for me, you know? And I got, you know, half people that never responded, but then a couple <laughs> people were like, wow, thank you. Like if someone reached out to me and said, Hey, I would love to work with someone like you in the future. Like you are my like dream ideal client. I'd be like, 
hmm, feeling yeah. myself. Heck yes. Like, yes. let me help you. Like, you know, so it's, you know, it's a way to just, I mean, it's, it's a networking thing too, you know, like, I mean, just puts you on someone's radar. I mean, we've, we talked about that in our, um, how to get clients episode, but just to kind of touch on that again, I think it's relevant. Totally. Yeah. And I think like you were saying, leading with that flattery, people love to feel good about themselves. And when you do that, even in a quick little DM, people are so much more likely to engage with you and give you real feedback, you know? Another thing to piggyback off of our last uh, little discussion about getting people on the phone and like sussing them out, the ones that say no, if, you know, if you did really want to work with them, like, I think I recommend designers jotting down notes on what they said so that you can use their words to like, think about how to pivot your business to adapt to that kind of thing. Or if they um, say, you know, oh, we would want someone that's more experienced in our industry or something like that, then put in the time to learn more about the industry and like maybe mm-hmm. create like a concept portfolio piece or nonprofit kind of work pro bono, anything like that to build up on that. Do you have anything to say in regards to getting dream clients like that or um, like where to find them, like where to go on DMs or go on Facebook or LinkedIn, anything like that? So to find those clients that we were talking about, basically, mm-hmm. like the methods that we used to find them. Okay. Our process is like a multi-step situation. And I have our social media manager basically reaching out to between 20 and 40 people a day. And we have maintained relationships. So not just DMing like, hey, I'm a designer and I'd love to do your brand. But we're creating relationships and keeping track of anything upcoming in their social media. So maybe they have the launch coming up or something that's big in their life, keeping track responding to their stories, you know, commenting on their photos and basically building a relationship. And then when the time comes where we have something, you know, a product or a service that we feel would fit them at this stage of their business, then we pitch it to them. I love that. And I have to emphasize that for our designers because that I I believe so much in that. And the way that we get our clients is through referrals mostly and also through LinkedIn. Like we don't even try on, on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And through LinkedIn, we're not going around telling people, Hey, like we can do this for you. We can do that for you. Instead, we ju- we're building rapport. So we're just totally. like, like building a conversation with them. It's almost like you're meeting friends and that's how you have to think of it. And then when you have like anything that is coming up, that's pretty special. You can flag them on it and say, Hey, this is going happening. Just thought of you, that kind of thing. And I think a yeah. lot of designers, like just, they're so quick to want to like get that client through the door that it sounds very pushy and mm-hmm especially in these days, I think people don't enjoy being sold to friends first. I mean, you could go up to someone out of the blue and ask them out on a date, right? Right. I, I was about to say, I'm like, Jen, bring in like, your metaphor again. I've been married, yeah. Guys, I've been married for a really long time. I got married before Tinder was a thing. Like, oh my I, gosh. Okay. Like, <laughs> it was a long time. It was a long time ago, but like, I, I mean, what, like six years. So not that long, not like 40 years or anything. Um, also I'm 26 years old. So how would that work? But, um, <laughs> wow. like, you wouldn't like go up to some random person on the street and ask them about a date. Maybe you would, and maybe you'll get married and maybe it'll be happily ever after. But odds are that person, especially if they're a woman is going to be like, Whoa, dude, like, who are you? <laughs> like, like, Hey, yo girl, you know, like that type of thing. No, like yeah. don't do that with potential clients. Like be friends first. Like it's like a super easy thing to think about. And it's also fun too. I mean, like Meredith, I love that you said that you're half introvert, half extrovert. I, Mm -hmm. I definitely feel like I kind of fall in the same, you know, the same kind of personality, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. I know Giselle considers herself kind of half and half as well. Um, but like, 
it can be really scary to like reach out to people cold because what if they reject you? What if they you know, say no? What if they're like, ew, what if they, oh gosh, don't respond. You know, like oh, what's the man. worst that could happen guys? Like yeah, just, you got to get over that. Get I, over yeah. it. Yeah. I, I don't give any Fs now. I'm just like, <laughs> I will put my whole self out there. And yeah. if you don't say yes, somebody else will. And that's truly just my approach is like, I do not get down about that stuff. We have worked with so many incredible clients, you know, and I always, whenever I don't book a client that I wanted to book, I think, you know what, it's just making room for somebody that's a better fit. And that's that's the truth. You know, I'm sure you guys have both experienced that. Yeah, actually, I wanted to work with a beauty brand for a long time. And there was one that almost hired us for retainer work. And I was so excited about it. And then end of the day, they ended up not following through with it. And I was bummed about it. And I thought, well, maybe I'll never work with, you know, beauty brands because my field is whatever. So I was making excuses for myself. But then sure enough, like not too long after that, I I got a beauty brand that was even more aligned to my, our values. Like they're all about like being like vegan, like cruelty-free, like eco-friendly, all these things that I'm like, yes, like this is way better than the other one. And it's exactly what you said. So, and it's been super fun working with them. So yeah, I think believing that something better is going to come your way is an awesome thing to think. Yeah. And when you are, when you are, when you're working and operating from that place of abundance, I know we've talked about this before, but like Mm -hmm. you create opportunities without knowing it when you have a positive attitude. Like, let that sink in guys. Like, we're not just saying like, oh, like we hope that the next client that comes along is going to be a better fit. Like, no, when you have that attitude, you go out there and, and you are like, okay, well, I said no to this client or this client said no to me for whatever reason you trust fully trust that the next client that you get is going to be that amazing fit. Like you are going to act like that in your sales call, when you're doing your cold DMS, when you're talking to people on LinkedIn, when you're emailing with people, when you're talking with your own team, when you're inspiring people, like whatever it is, like you have to like tell whatever you have to do to tell yourself that every single day. And like, guys, let me tell you, I'm coming from a place of like, I have had slow seasons. We've all have, I've had busy seasons. Like I'm in a busy season right now. It's been slow. It is so hard during slow seasons to really like believe that it's ever going to end. You think, all right, this is it. This is the end of my business. This was great. Thanks guys. And I'll see you later. But like (laughs) when, when, but then, then you start getting, you get an inquiry and you're like, Ooh, five more inquiries and you're like, holy crap, I haven't gotten any inquiries for the past like three weeks. And I got five on one day. Like, I feel like it happens like that every single time. So oh, yeah. that was my little like inspirational speech guys, take an audio clip, go back and listen to that when you're feeling bad. Or if you're in, a, <laughs> if you're in a rut, because like the clients will come, they will. Oh, I love that's that. so real. I think like just coming from the place of abundance, um, and acting like you already have those things and not in a way where it's show your baggy, but to yourself saying, I'm deserving of this client. I'm deserving of this project. I know that I'm, I can do this. Um, and writing down your goals. I'm such a huge fan of that. Like I, I've been doing this since I was like 20, just really writing down like big things that I want to accomplish, not just like weekly stuff. This is like, you know, five year type goals. And I always cross them all off when I write them down. And I have since I was 20, And 
I'm telling you, if you write down your goals, I mean, this is kind of embarrassing, but I swear to God, I manifested <laughs> my husband. I, like, <laughs> I like yes. wrote down everything that I wanted in a man, like down to a T, like down to the mustache. He nails it. Like everything. <laughs> oh, like, you must have read your journal. <laughs> totally. He's just like changing his personality to fit my challenge. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. But yes, like people listen. <laughs> I think that that's also a great exercise that, that you guys listening can do for when you're thinking about your dream clients, like write down a list of like what that ideal person is. I keep, I keep going back to the dating thing, but like, it's true. Like, like branding specifically, this is a brand podcast. Branding is so intimate. It Mm -hmm. is. It's like, that's why we, you know, we were just talking before this about, you know, hiring team and passing off, you know, brand work to another designer and being creative director. It's hard because branding is so like, it's a talent in and of itself, not just the design part. I'm not talking about illustrator. Like I'm talking about translating what makes someone them into a set of visuals that complements them and their business and their values. Like that's, that's a pretty big deal. I think the power of writing things down too is, cannot be underestimated because yeah, you can say, okay, these are the clients that I'm going to work with and this is what I'm going to do, but setting intention by writing it down kind of like really makes you see it a lot better and even crossing it off too, like Meredith was saying, um, or saying like, I am a brand designer that works with these clients instead of saying, I will be a brand designer that works with these clients or thinking in the future tense, think of it in the present tense. Like it's already happening to you and you're going to manifest it in that way through your actions, believing what you believe. Yeah. I don't know if any of y'all follow Rachel Hollis, but she actually does it in the past tense. She writes out her goals as if they've already happened. Yeah, um, And Ooh, she said that she's been that. doing that for, I mean, this is not like, don't give me any credit for this. This is Rachel Hollis. Go y'all go follow her on Instagram. But like, she has been doing that, you know, since she was like very young. And wow. so she's like, so if you said, you know, like I made a hundred thousand dollars this year, Mm-hmm. I booked a client that made a million dollars in sales. You know, yeah. I did a brand for, you know, a mater- a business in the maternity industry. Like that's if awesome. That's, if that's your goal. Like that, I wasn't saying that th- those are things that I've done. I'm saying that that's, those are examples of yeah. like, you could like write down you know, that like, if whatever your goal is like, write it down as if it's already happened. She swears by it. And, um, it's, it's very powerful. I, yeah. I really should get back into doing that because it's, it's amazing. I love that. And it's like, you're keeping your promises to yourself, which is like the mm-hmm. ultimate confidence make or break, right? If you say with working out, if you tell yourself that you're going to work out tomorrow morning and then you don't do it, you feel bad about yourself, not just yeah. for missing a workout, but you feel like, Oh, I said I was going to do it and I didn't do it. So I feel like writing stuff down is a way to stay accountable. And then when you cross those things off, it's like, wow, I did this for me. And I feel so good about staying committed to my goals. And it's also a good way to look back and see your growth. I think that as someone who has been so lucky and so grateful to experience the type of growth that I have in the past year, like even, you know, in my third trimester of pregnancy, I, you know, was booking projects at what I thought was like the highest thing ever and so much money and oh my gosh. And now I'm booking projects that I never would have dreamed like as far as dollar amount that I would ever take on. And so that makes that other project look like this dinky little thing. Like if you go back and look at what you've written down, I mean, that's something that my business coach, Jane Scudder from the new exec shout out. Um, she's 
she pushed me to write down my goals. And I was like, Jane, I don't want to, I'm so scared. Like, I don't, what if I don't like, what if, you know, eh, you know, she's like, no, what if you don't, at least you wrote it down, you know, like challenge yourself, you know? So, and, and I look back at those goals from like what I started coaching with her six months ago and I'm like, wow, I was was so scared. scared. And like, and I'm so lucky to have hit the income goals that I set for myself this year. Like there's so many amazing amazing things that have happened to me. Thank you. Like there are so many amazing things that have happened in this past year for me. I mean, I know people, of course, like whatever you want to say about 2020 is like, oh, it's, I mean, global pandemic that, you know, that sucks, but like, I don't know. Like I, I, I try to, to, to keep a positive attitude. Of course I'm coming from a place of extreme success as far as, you know, what I think right now, but like, again, when you're experiencing those, those down moments or a rejection, or, you know, you have to reject a potential client, it still feels bad. Or you're working with a client you don't like, like still come back to those goals. Like come back to that positive mm-hmm. attitude. Um, come back to this episode. Cause this is a great pump up episode. I'm going to listen <laughs> to this in the future. <laughs> Totally. I remember beginning of this year, I mean, March, um, when everything was going down and our friends, people we knew that were close to were losing jobs left and right. Um, and my husband and I have been so fortunate to both keep work, but I remember thinking like, okay, well, you know, don't know what's going to happen. Might fail this year, but you know, we'll just kind of live off our savings and do our best and figure it out. And then it ended up being like the best year we've had yet. And I just, I don't even know how to explain the feeling of just gratitude. Yeah, yeah. I 100% agree with that. Um, and it, I try not to feel bad about it, which is kind of silly yeah. just to even say, but like hearing how many other people are struggling and just how lucky we are just to be in this space where our industry is thriving. I almost like I, I'm trying to make sure not to feel bad and pivot into like gratitude. Like I'm just really Absolutely. grateful, not bragging just grateful. <laughs> yeah, and you should never feel shame for your success, you know, yeah. think, um, own it. You're inspiring other people and people that really love you are going to be happy for you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why we love our Facebook community so much because it's just empowering just being in there. Like if anyone ever feels down, go to our Facebook community and share it. And you'll hear from a lot of us, like we've been there too. Like just, mm-hmm. you know, keep your chin up. Like things are going to get better, like encouraging words. And it's just, we love our community for that so much. Yeah. I think like reframing, you know, a a negative situation into a positive one. I I mean, I have a very concrete example. I can pretty much only work about two hours a day at my desk right now because my baby is so young and he needs me. Mm -hmm. Um, For the longest time, I was like, oh, what was I doing with all my time before? Like, why can't I sit at my desk? Or like the baby wakes up from his nap early. And I would be like, oh my gosh, like, why did you wake up early? And I just had this like negative Nancy attitude about it. Mm -hmm. And then I thought like, I started this business out of necessity because my husband's military and we move all the time. But when I started this business, I thought, wouldn't it be amazing if I could only work for two hours a day? And I was like, oh my gosh. What's I got like? what I wanted yeah. for. I, I got, I mean, of course, like being a mom, the other like 80, you know, 120% of the time, that's not easy. But like, I, I had to think so hard about like, okay, wow. Like, like so many people wish they could make the money that I'm making only working two hours a day. I mean, of course I have a team, not that I'm yeah. doing it myself. I have help, you know, I have, I don't live near family. So childcare is a little bit, you know, iffy. My mom's in town right now, bless, but, um, yeah. It's just like, that's a situation that like you, I, I took and I was like, Oh, I was being so negative about it, but it's like, wow. Like I only have to work 
for two hours. I only, I only get to work for two hours a day. <laughs> I, Jen, I would work for like 48 hours a day if I could, if there were 48 hours in a day. Um, <laughs> I stop myself. I, oh, I will just keep going and keep the email going all night. And I recently, so I was so good about that in the beginning of my business. I was like, I stop email at 5 PM and it has crept its way back in. And then this year, I got to the point where I was working because we just had this huge launch. So I was working, I'm not even kidding you, 12 hour days every single day. Like I was wow. working and I was like so rude to my husband. I didn't have any personal time with friends. I had no like self care at all. And I just felt horrible. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, no, it stops at five. I'm off email. Like I really am committed to myself um, in this new stage of my business where. I'm also prioritizing health and happiness because it's so easy, I think, for at least my personality type to get wrapped up in the day-to-day and like, I have to get this done, I have to do it, I have to do it. And everything will be okay if you pause. Everything, Uh, you know. Absolutely. And congrats on that. Um, That was one of the best things you could have ever done to yourself. And Jen's right. We we do have a lot in common because I was a lot (laughs) like that. And it's thanks to my husband. Yeah, it's thanks to him that was like, Hey, like, why are you spending so much time doing this? Didn't you start your business so that you could travel more? And here I am like tied to my desk or even like when I did travel, I would have my laptop, like a ball and chain on me. And I used to joke to my clients, oh yeah, my laptop's my ball and chain. I have it everywhere I go until I realized that is not okay with me and started putting in like time off, like, especially with team members, it's been a lot more helpful, but yeah, like putting in the- You have to train, you have to train those clients to know that you're not going to be available all the time. Mm -hmm. That was something again, that I was working on with my coach. I was saying, oh my gosh, I need a day off. And she was like, well, take a day off. And I was like, but my email, (laughs) you don't understand. What if a client emails me? What am I going to do if a client emails me on a Friday? Jane, tell me what I'm going to do. She's like, Jen, you're not going to even look at it. So you won't even know that they emailed on Friday. If you, if it really makes you that like nervous, then set a, set a vacation responder for Fridays, you know, Mm -hmm. or if you have really high touch clients, let them know that you're going to be unavailable on Friday, you know, and you'll be back on Saturday, you know, like, whoa, like mind blown. And it was so hard the first time I did it. Now it's, it's different because, um, when I have people in town, take care of the baby. I do work on Fridays. So right. if I'm on Slack, Giselle, don't get mad at me, but <laughs> <laughs> like, Jen, what are you doing here? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. We have to let, like, and, and, and also like we're, we're all three of us are at the point now where if we respond right away to a client inquiry, that can kind of be a bad thing, mm-hmm. you know, like not a bad thing, but like it can, you know, you, you got to make them wait a little bit. Like you're, we're yeah. in, we're in high demand. And, and, and even if you're not in high demand guys, even if you have zero clients and like you get one inquiry, if you're like on it, respond right away, like maybe give it an hour or yeah. a half a day or something, you know, like they don't know that you're not like being swamped with inquiries. Like, I don't and know. Dream- I think it can be good to pause. Yeah. And your dream clients are going to respect that because they're, they value you so much that it, they're not even going to think that that's weird. <laughs> I have this new habit now where if I choose to open an email on the weekend or after 5 PM, I'm not allowed to respond. So I can read that stressful email and just sit with it and panic about it for a whole mm-hmm. weekend. Or I can just not look at my email. Those are the choices I give myself. So now I just don't look at the email at all. Cause I'm like, 
I'm not going to do this. I, I yeah. love that. The number of times <laughs> I've clicked read and then like, I have to click like uh mark is unread. I have yeah. to do that all the time, all the time. And also yeah. because I'm like up at four in the morning with the baby and I'm like, oh, yeah. I'll just check my email to make myself feel better about the fact that I'm awake right now. <laughs> <laughs> you now, and I'm like always clicking mark is unread, mark is unread. <laughs> I have a question for you. How, so when you first had your baby, how much time did you actually take off from work? Um, good question. I took six weeks. It was not enough. If someone in the future or someone listening is pregnant or is thinking about taking maternity leave and they work from home in the same situation as us, I highly, highly recommend taking at least three months off if that's possible for you and your business. I'm not talking about taking three months off from design work. At two weeks, I was back on my computer and I did a full rebrand of my business and are actually the site is launching um, this week. So by the time this comes out, my site will be live, which is fantastic. Oh my gosh. And it's going to be Do not amazing. recommend anyone doing that during maternity leave with a two week old baby, just so you oh, all know. Wow. But um, yeah, it, it's, it's been the hardest thing I ever had to do scaling mm-hmm. my business, growing it while growing a tiny human. That mm-hmm. has been very, very challenging. Um, and I, I'm, I'm constantly leaning into gratitude with that. Um, but yeah, yeah. Six weeks, um, was not enough, uh, for me for someone else. Maybe that would be enough. I mean, of course everyone's different, but, um, yeah, that's my, that's my advice. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Hearing around the same number from all my clients that have kids is like, you have to take time. The off. first three months is just, it's like you go to another planet. Like, you like, I mean, in good ways and bad ways, you know, like, um, it's just, I mean, he's four months now we're dealing with some sleep issues. Um, but like, I think those first three months, it's like, I can't even remember like what happened. Like, and it's funny because we were actually recording, we were recording, uh, episodes during, during that time of my life where I have the baby strapped to my chest and I'm like trying to get him to like, not, you know, make noise and stuff. So also I highly do not recommend recording a podcast while you have a newborn. <laughs> they don't know to be quiet when you're recording. Um, He's our yeah. third co-host. <laughs> he is. I know he is. I, I don't hear him right now. So I'm assuming that someone has put him down for a nap. Um, thank the Lord. Um, no, I, I love my baby guys. Don't, don't get me wrong. Um, oh, but totally. But yeah. I imagine it's hard to, um, give up that part of yourself. That's like that fulfillment from work for a little bit. It's, mm-hmm. And and like I always in the in the in the hard moments, I tell my husband, "Oh, this would be so much easier if I was just a stay at home mom. I love taking care of my baby. I love cooking and cleaning. Like I love doing all that stuff. Like I love taking care of my house. Like if I was just a stay at home mom, I would be so happy. I'd be so much less stressed." And he's like, "Jen, what are you talking about? You can't even take a day off. Like <laughs> you would not be able. You, like you would just not feel fulfilled and happy." like not working because you're so passionate about what you do. Um, not to say that it's bad if you're a stay-at-home mom, my yeah. mom's a stay-at-home mom, like, but like, I- You'd be back just, at it with something else. <laughs> I would, yeah, exactly. He's yeah. like, you'd start an Etsy shop. You would start volunteering. <laughs> you would do something to fill your time. And, you know, like you're just that type of person. And I know, I know that about myself. So, you know, even if someone is, you know, thinking about taking maternity leave for, you know, like, okay, I'm going to goal. My goal is three months. Like you're probably going to start working before then. Um, and you just gotta, you gotta roll with it. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, oh, man. I've been reading this book about high functioning anxiety and oh. how like a lot of women owned businesses experience this. And if I can find I remember the name, I'll tell you, but, um, it's so good and so accurate because she talks about how people that are so busy all the time and so overwhelmed have so much going on, just want a day off. But then when they have a day off, it's like, you can't 
take a day off. I can This is me. This is me. This wow. is why I can't take naps because it's like the middle of the day and I'm trying to take a nap and all my mind is doing is to-do lists. Okay. I also can't nap. My whole family <laughs> is good at napping. I'm like, my family calls my husband nappy literally because he naps oh. so much. <laughs> I cannot nap ever. <laughs> like, I me either. Stop. I try. I can't do it. <laughs> Have a baby. Then you can fall asleep anywhere. <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> I get it. I understand. Um, oh my gosh. I literally like have enjoyed this conversation so much. I hate to say that like, we need to like wrap it up guys. I mean, I, I wish we could do like a 12 hour podcast. That'd be fun. But, um, I was just going to say, we need to start making these like two hour podcasts. I know what we do. It's like, I mean, I don't know. Let us know a what you think about that guys. Yeah. Um, a lot of work for our editor. We'll have to like, yeah, Stuart's gonna be like no. <laughs> yeah, please no, please no. Um, before we kind of jump into our inbox question and wrap things up, um, Meredith, we wanted to give you an opportunity to share with people about how they can find you and view your work and, you know, find you and connect with you on social. Um, but then also I know that you have, um, an offer for our listeners and I wanted to let you share about that. Yes, absolutely. So our website is quixoticdesignco.com. Our Instagram is at quixoticdesignco. And we just recently launched our website template shop. So these are affordable, professionally designed website templates for, business owners that are maybe just starting out at a super affordable price point. Um, check those out. We'll have a discount for you guys for $25 off. I believe I sent you guys the code code BBD BBD. There you go. $25 off your website template. Thank you for sharing that with our listeners. We really yeah. Thanks so that. much. Yeah. I'm so excited. We got to chat today. I, I love this. Yes. Um, let's dive into our inbox question. Um, we like to do these listener questions at the end of each episode. So Jessica asks, how do you stay original in the age of Instagram or how to be kind of original in, you know, where it seems like there are a ton of people doing the same thing that we do? Well, while I think it's good to assess your competitors and position yourself, you know, use that for market research and positioning, I think there's a point too, where you need to kind of stop looking at everyone else's Instagram and what everyone else is doing and their highlight reels, um, and focus on your value that you're bringing to your audience. So if you're delivering value, you are plugging your own personality and showing yourself. And I mean, like literally on stories, like get on stories and show your audience, your personality and your unique little quirks. I remember being so like, I guess, embarrassed or afraid to do that. And it's like what my audience loves the most are these random little things. Um, so I think just truly being, sounds so dumb, but being yourself, but really um, taking the time to assess how you can inject your personality into your content will help you stand out always and not doing what your competitor's doing, not worrying about what they're doing um, or feeling bad about yourself for not being at their level. I think just focus on you and injecting as much of your personality into your work as you can. Yes. Fantastic. That's I the couldn't literal say any better. reason behind our podcast name. Yeah. Uh, you know, the only designer you need to be better than is the one you, you were yesterday. And, and I'll throw in there too, that I, I don't really follow other designers unless I'm like personally friends with them. Okay. So, yeah. Like I, that's just been a thing that like helps me in my feed focus on the type of people that I want to be attracting rather than looking at other designers. We'll follow you from our better podcast account, but like from my own personal account, um, or my business account, I, I actually choose to not follow a ton of other designers. And that's, that's helped a lot. Not that I like, don't love you guys, but like, (laughs) it just, it's just, that's not why I go on Instagram. I go on Instagram to find clients for my business. Um, Yeah. Comparison. I just out of it. 
Yeah. You're, you're only giving yourself a disservice. Like it's like you said, like step into who you are and act from that light instead of trying to compare yourself to what other people are doing. Mm -hmm. 100%. Amazing. Oh, this is such a great conversation. Meredith, we had such a great time getting to know you and our conversation went all over the place. We talked about everything, but I think that people are going to love it. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to say thank you so much for, for joining us today and, you know, we'll, we'll be following along with you and, um, super excited to see, you know, what's next for you and your business. Thank you guys. It was such a joy to join you today. And I just loved getting to know both of you so much. Yeah, same. It was super fun. Thank you so much for being our guest. Thanks for listening. Hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Leave a review, join our free Facebook community and share the pod with your designer friends so that they can join the fun. Give me a shout on Instagram at betterpodcast if you want to submit an inbox question and visit the pod at betterbranddesigner.com to learn more and snag discounts on my favorite resources. See you next week.